everybody, it's Chris Benson from Innovation Crush here on behalf of Worlds taking place July 31st through August 1st in Los Angeles. I'm here with Ryan Cummins. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, we are looking forward to seeing you at Worlds, blabbing away <laughs> about some of the amazing work you do and some of the amazing insights. Um, I guess for starters, before we go there though, yeah. um, give us a little background on you and Omaze and where the whole vision came from and, uh, and then we'll get into some other nosy questions. Love it. Uh, yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Omaze along with Matt Polson, who's the co-founder as well. Uh, we are a marketplace that offers the chance to win once in a lifetime experiences. So basically what we do is we bring together celebrity influencers, charities, and we put together these once in a lifetime experiences, anything from the chance to ride in a tank and crush things with Arnold Schwarzenegger, to play tennis against Serena Williams, have John Legend perform at your wedding, uh, maybe even the chance to be in Star Wars. And we'll put on these once in a lifetime experiences, but unlike traditional models where they're typically only available to high net worth individuals, we've democratized that to the masses. So for $10, anyone can have a chance to win. Sounds really easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How, I mean, where does the inspiration come from? Um, I, you know, those are really high functional and highfalutin, if I will, uh, experiences to have. Yeah. But like, where does that whole ecosystem come from for your ability to be, a, be able to pull these things off? Sure. Uh, so, so it all comes from, I'm trying to think of that Einstein quote where it's like, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, Matt and I... Matt and I basically, hindsight's 2020. I can really sort of paint the picture of how we got here, but, but I don't know that we knew that the path that we were on while we were doing it. Uh, we became friends at Stanford uh, in undergrad, and we both became friends because we shared this passion for storytelling. And that was something just deep in our bones. And that brought us down here to Los Angeles, and it got us working on a number of projects very early on. We were the first uh, directors on a thing called Live Earth. It was the largest concert ever thrown, 150 music superstars all on the same day. We then were early on on a thing at the time called 10 by 10, which turned into Girl Rising. It was a documentary about educating girls in the developing world uh, that was funded by Oprah and Intel and Queen Raina and narrated by Meryl Streep. And Matt actually went off to uh, Kenya to, to film the first couple of scenes of that with the director. Uh, we produced a media property called Untitled Thinkers, where we filmed interviews with a couple hundred Nobel Prize winners, MacArthur Genius Grant recipients, Pulitzers, and then most recently had executive produced Decade of Difference, which was this globally televised concert for the Clinton Foundation to celebrate all of their work. And that gave us the chance to film everybody from Tony Blair to Bill Gates, Jay-Z, Sean Penn, Matt Damon, you name it. All right, I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Only because it sounds like you graduated Stanford and then jumped right into, you know, producing the world's biggest concert. Yes. <laughs> um, like, what, what, what were the baby steps to even to, to get there, right? Because I think what you do, a lot of people aspire to. Like, yeah. you want to have access to those people and be able to create these amazing experiences. But there are some baby steps that come along, I would think. Unless sure. you did jump right in and I'm, I'm wrong. No, no, no. There was a lot of waitering and bartending <laughs> and, uh, and playing ping pong with a bunch of guys that we all lived in the house with at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. So, so we definitely had that in between that in between phase we came down from Stanford Matt was two years ahead of me so he came down first but every summer while I was at Stanford I was interning down here at the studio system so I had a couple internships uh, that I was really lucky to, to sort of get my way in the door one with this woman named Amy Pascal who's the chairwoman of Sony Pictures and I did three summers with her, just schlepping coffee and reading scripts. Did you check her emails? Checked. <laughs> I, stayed, I, stayed away, I stayed away from that. She was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, I was sad for Sony that that all happened because from my side of it, you know, 
they they took the brunt of something that I think happens with every studio system and and uh, and having worked for her in that in that organization, they were all really trying to do just great work. Um, but no, I didn't check the email. <laughs> thank God. Uh, and then, uh, and then I had an internship with a guy named Spike Jones, who uh, who's a director, and and one other internship with a guy named Sid Gannis, who's the president of the Academy Awards. So here's what's interesting too. I think you it sounds like correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. You've been able to maintain these relationships. I mean, the relationships is probably like the crux of what you're able to accomplish, especially like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Ben Stiller, or you know, creating these experience. You know, what is what is your approach to relationship development and ma- and maintenance? Yeah. Uh, Good work. Uh, so I think I think if I was to boil down how I approach relationships, it's first and foremost not going in trying to pitch something that you know we think that they need. It's going in and really trying to understand what they're doing uh, and making sure that you really listen to whoever it is that you're forming a relationship with. And that's I think that's true in business. I think that's true in life. When you're when you're getting to meet someone, you and I just had a conversation for. You know, 20 minutes where I got to learn so much about you and your background and where you're from. And just because I talk the whole time, I know I'm interested in what you were. I'd listen. I'd listen to you the whole time. You're, you got one that that voice that I wish I had, but two, uh, uh, a really interesting backstory, and you've made your way here and, and done some really remarkable things. And so, just being able to sit down and listen to you, I have a much better understanding of what you're doing in the world, and I respect you, and I respect what you're trying to get accomplished. And so then, I want to. You know, right now I want to do a great interview for you. Uh, forget, you know, not forget about, but hopefully for whoever's listening, it's not even about them or thinking about what I sound like or projecting this idea of myself. It's about this conversation that we're having right now and making sure that I'm delivering for Chris. And I think that that's how it started in LA. So we'd sit down and we'd meet with producers and we'd try and understand what projects they're working on. And if it was schlepping coffee, early, early days, I wanted to make the best damn cup of coffee I possibly could make. Right. And I'd walk in and set it down and make sure that they had the sugar and the milk and what else can I do for you? Is there a script I can read? Anything like that. Where, where was that instilled in you? Where was that? Because that's a quality, you know, it's, it can be a learned behavior, but sure. it sounds like it was kind of natural for you or at least ingrained early on. Where, where, did, where, was, where did that come from? That came from, uh, I think I'd credit that to a combination of growing up in, for me, growing up in Michigan. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, and there's just like there's some wholesome values that come out of growing up in the Midwest, where you realize before you even realize it, you live in this space where everybody knows everybody. Uh, it's a you know it's a million plus person town, but you're only a phone call away from your neighbor who knows someone else across town who knows someone else, and so you grow up in a community where if you appreciate that and you respect that then before you even know what reputation is or integrity is, you sort sort of instilled in you that you want to deliver against those things. And then also my folks. Um, you know, my folks were always uh, serving others and just in their lines of work and then in their friendships, they were always serving other people. And they really, from the earliest days, my dad used to say, if you want to be the best at someone, find out who is and carry their bag. And so from that earliest days, I would always think about you know, that's what brought me over to, to the studio system. And then, you know, working for Amy Pascal was she's the head of the studio. And so what could I do just to learn right. from her with Spike Jones? What could I do just to watch the the not the movies that he was making on while I was sitting there interning for him? But every single night I would take home the short films that he hadn't even finished that were sitting in his cabinet 
and just watch him and study those things and see what he was trying to accomplish or what he was doing so I could just absorb as much info as possible. And that's really, that's where that started for no, me. That's amazing. You know, and speaking of like sort of building this community around yourself through service, um, you're going to be joining the world's community. Yeah, that's yeah, a great community. <laughs> uh, and, and serving there, I mean, you got the likes of Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins and the founders of Nasty Gal and just, you know, well, a ton of great people to learn from and communicate with and commune with. Yeah. Um, what, what attracted you, you know, first of all, to, to sort of the world's world? Right. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, you know, the, the co-founders uh, of Worlds and Fatal are amazing. Uh, and what they've put together is something truly special. Um, I first met I first met Roman, and uh, and he introduced me to to the world that they were building. And then as I would go to uh, Worlds or to a Patau event, you know, they put on these really insane productions. I remember uh, recently, my my wife and I had the opportunity to go out to Vegas and watch. Uh, Cirque de Soleil, and this, I was there. And you're at that it was one. Pretty awesome. So like, it was incredible. On, I mean, <laughs> the show itself is incredible. But for anyone who who has ever had this opportunity, they they created this opportunity where we could go and watch the setup for the show, and the setup for the show, to me was a thousand times more interesting than, and the show was beautiful and magnificent and breathtaking, but the setup is a thousand times more interesting for I didn't me. I get invited to them. You know, well, I snuck in. They didn't <laughs> actually know I was there. And, uh, and, the, and you see the workers and you see the care and the consideration and just the, the technology and how awe-inspiring it is. And there's a moment where you're sitting there, you're watching all this stuff and you're getting lost in what is essentially a dress rehearsal for the show. And then you think, why am I sitting here? And then I realized, okay, it's because uh, it's because of these co-founders of Patel and these co-founders of Worlds and this community, and and that they thought that that would be something that would really inspire people. And that's when I realized this is an amazing community, and I wanted to to serve it if I could. That's pretty awesome, um, you know. And I think part of your work-life balance, you know, especially as it relates to worlds, a topic you'll be talking about. Yeah. But what is your approach to sort of designing, you know, you mentioned a wife, you mentioned doing causes, you've got all these, you know, you've grown, you moved to a new office, like yeah. you've got all these components that are, you know, uh, inputs for your life, but how do you balance that all out and, and uh, what, are your, what are your secrets? <laughs> I'm try uh, my my first secret is trying to figure out what my secrets are. I'm working on that right now. Um, so uh, you know, with regards to the company and to and to Omaze, uh, I'm first and foremost I'm extremely fortunate to have a co-founder and partner in this company, Matthew Polson, who is uh, one of the hardest working guys I've ever met in my entire life. Just completely dedicated, um, focused. Uh, and, and he's put his blood, sweat, and tears into this company. And so for he and I to be able to create that, this together and know that we had two guys who were, uh, who were both just in the saddle and willing to stay in the saddle and go through the hard times um, at the beginning when our company was not doing well for the first year and experiences were failing and we were terrible managers and all those things, all those first growing pains, to now where where he's you know stepping into this role as CEO to take the company after a, after a, what will soon be announced in another raise. That's just a little uh, little sneak preview and and to take it to the next level. So I'm fortunate there. And then our team, um, who's trickling in right now because we started this shoot early, but uh, but we have 68 of the brightest, most energetic, compassionate people I've ever met. 
And these are folks who, they could be working anywhere, they could be doing anything, they could be launching their own companies, they could be, um, you know, pretty much materializing anything that they wanted to in this world. And they choose every single morning that they're going to walk into this office because they believe in the mission and the higher purpose. And, uh, and that's, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. You know, we've hired people that are brighter than we are in absolutely everything that they do. And so that's what makes that work. And so because of those two things, you know, my co-founder and this team, I'm, I'm in a place now where I can begin balancing more than I have in this last five years to spend more time with the other thing I'm, or the thing I'm most passionate about, which is my wife. Um, and family and, and building community. I mean, I'll, I'll stand by it. I'll wear that badge. Uh, but but that's where I've... You just showed up like every husband who's ever been <laughs> I, a husband. I learned, you know what, I didn't show them up. I learned it from the best husbands out there. I had, I've had good models of husbands out there uh, that I've been able to watch and recognize. Um, I'm talking at length here, so you got to... No, 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 I, I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, but what I'll say on that point is... Um, you know, my, my older brother taught me what the model of a male is that I wanted to uh, aspire to be, which is someone who puts his wife and his family first. Right. And through that process, I started recognizing that that's actually what I believe masculinity is. Um, you know, I grew up in an area where there was a lot of camaraderie amongst guys, but I didn't necessarily, as much as I love my, my folks and, and the folks of my friends, I didn't necessarily see the models of partnerships and marriage where that was what you could be proud of and that's right. what you could beat against your chest. And then in my brother, I saw that and I started seeing, all right, here's a guy who's putting his wife and his daughters first and he looks like more of a man to me for having done that than some of the other models I see in movies or elsewhere. And, and that stuck with me. And then, my, and then one more thing is my wife in that process very early on in our relationship started making me recognize that being vulnerable and talking about your challenges and not always necessarily having to have everything put together, but having that be an open, ongoing dialogue is also masculine. Right. And that was something that was hard for me at first because you want, you know, as a husband, you want to provide, you want to be... Yeah, you think you have to be out there like chopping down trees. Stoic, and and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, out there. And, and so she changed that model for me as well. So that's where, that's where that comes from. I mean, you seem like a genuinely humble, you know, um, uh, observant person, right? Like, you know, and I refer, to, I refer to a lot of, we were talking about this earlier, like, you know, conversations or things you observe as these mentor moments. Mm -hmm. um, and I know Worlds is kind of filled with them. You know, what were some other mentor moments you've had along your life, especially as it pertains to your business? Because I know you guys came from like, at least I read, mm -hmm. you know, you came from a windowless storage closet <laughs> true. to this immaculate, you know, 68-person uh, <laughs> filled warehouse type office space that comes with some insight and, the, and things that you pick up along the way. So, you sure. know, what were, you know, maybe what's one or two key things that you picked up and, yeah. and that stuck with you? So I'll, I'll share one or two key things from, from the business and then, and then maybe one more from life. Um, in the business, the key thing, so where, where, the, where the business came from was Matt and I had worked on all these things. We we saw that. <laughs> it's made, yeah, it's in the middle of this photo. Like, jeez, <laughs> love it. Um, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. That's exactly what I need. Take me out of my seriousness. Uh, so so Matt and I had had this opportunity to work on all these large cause campaigns, and we saw that with every single one of these, we were creating a tremendous amount of awareness. We were not creating a commensurate amount of impact, 
and we knew that we were passionate about storytelling. We wanted to pursue that as our life's work, but we were always going to sort of be chasing funds and working on, on models that, were, that weren't going to sustain us for life unless we changed something up. So we both went back to B-School, spent two years trading ideas back and forth, and we were at this charity gala. Uh, you know, we sort of jokingly call these things rubber chicken dinners. And you're going to love this because you are from <laughs> Michigan and you went to MSU. Uh, and I love chicken. And you love and you love chicken. Yeah, sorry. just not rubber chicken. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we're at we're 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 sitting there at this gala, and Magic Johnson's being honored by the Boys and Girls Club of America. Are you a Magic fan? Oh yeah, of course. Awesome. Okay. So uh, so Magic's being honored, and he stands up, and he's auctioning off the chance to hang out with him and sit courtside at a Lakers game. And so I, growing up uh, 45 minutes away from MSU, I'm a huge Magic fan. Matt's an even crazier Los Angeles Lakers fan and Magic fan. Matt literally, when they when he was like in fifth or sixth grade and they lost the championships, his parents let him stay home because he was like so despondent over, over the loss. And, uh, and so we're sitting there and Magic starts auctioning off the chance to hang out with him, sit courtside at the Lakers game. And this auction kicks off and our hands shoot up, it's 100 bucks and we're like, this is amazing, our dream experience. And it goes to 250 and we're sitting there going, all right, we're gonna sit with Magic and then it's 500 and that's when it dawns on us like, that's half a month's rent, and 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 we can't, you know, we're on student, yeah, exactly, exactly, like student loans, and uh, hand hand goes down, and it goes thousand, two thousand, five thousand, clears for fifteen k, and and then salt on the wound, we knew the dude who bought it, and he wasn't even a Magic fan, and he was just donating, which is wonderful, but for us terrible, and we're driving home that night, and we're sitting there saying, here's this global icon, it's got fans around the world including us sitting there wanting this, but it's only available, that experience is only available to the 200 high net worth individuals sitting in that room. And what if for 10 bucks you made that available online and anyone had a chance? And so that's where the idea came from. Uh, now to circle back to your question of the mentor moments, so we on that decided to launch this business. And as we're launching it, we are super amped on this idea of once in a lifetime experiences, but for the first year, we're just struggling, man. Just struggling. I mean, we did we did what to me still are some of the coolest experiences you can imagine. We did the chance to play Battleship against four-star Admiral Mullen, uh, <laughs> nice. which you know, unbelievable. But it turns out Admiral Mullen does not have uh, like a huge social media following because uh, admirals don't really focus yes. on building up their Facebook following. And, uh, and so we're putting on these things that we think are awesome, but they're not necessarily raising as much money as we hoped. And so we're going through those struggles of business. And so just for us, learning how to, to really focus and to develop a business and to be able to take storytelling and layer that on top of the technology that underpins e-commerce, those were all mentor moments where it was really through those little continuous failures mm. that we had to sit there and take stock of what was going on and try and tweak this and tweak that. And then finally, along that process, and I'll spare the whole story, but we started seeing success. And with every success, we started saying, all right, here's a positive deviance, not a negative yeah. one. Yeah. What worked there that we hadn't been doing before? and how What, made, we... what made you stick with it? Because you know, sometimes it, like, you experience five or six failures in a row, you're like, yeah, let me go get a job. Yeah. We have to pay the rent. So right out of, right out of B-School, we were both looking at high-paying jobs that would have paid off our loans. And that would have been such a easy decision for so many reasons to go and take those jobs. But we also just knew in our, in our heart, uh, in our hearts and in our bones that those were not gonna fulfill us in life. Right. And that we were probably gonna sit there at those jobs and pay off those loans and just be miserable. And we had, you know, we had both spent a decade in Hollywood 
working on stories and storytelling. And so business school for us wasn't an escape. It wasn't a way to just completely change everything that we were doing. Business school for us was, all right, how do we get more rigorous about our approach to storytelling? How do we really understand for-profit models and finance and putting together a, a, a legitimate going concern that could grow and scale and have a sustainable revenue stream to it? So what made us stick with it when we were failing was we knew all the reasons that we did it. We knew this thing wasn't working in its first earliest iterations, but we knew it would. We just knew that it would and it should, and, and mostly because the world needs it. Uh, to be able to provide nonprofits with a, a new opportunity to raise exponentially more than they do through any other model, mm -hmm. so that, and, and in a way that their workers can continue to do boots on the ground work, to be able to provide these celebrity influencers, these people who are just the most creative, most passionate people in the entire world, uh, with an avenue to showcase the passion that they have for social impact in a way that really garners the awareness that they merit right. and, and raises that it gets the type of ROI, the return on their investment of time that they, that they deserve. And then finally, for, for fans out there, you know, we bring on these fans and it's sort of you give them the sugar first and then they get the medicine, but in time that medicine's even sweeter than the sugar. Uh, and I hope I never say that again because it's so salesy. But no, um, it's, it's good. It's, but, but the idea, the idea. I kept thinking of Mary Poppins. That's there you go, exactly. It's just a spoon. It sugar helps the medicine. I felt like the dude with the uh, the broomstick in the oh. um, chimney sweep. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So long story short. Uh, you can it, tell I have kids, by the way. That's, do you? Yeah, that's good. You know, good on you. Yeah, good on you. And I know all the lyrics to all the Mary so, 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 so I know that these kids out there are getting their mentor moments <laughs> on a daily basis with you as their dad. That's pretty awesome. Um, but, but we just knew that was all going to come together. We knew it was going to work. Um, I'm just going to short myself on this sentence and say that's, that's what kept us with it. That's great. Um, and so, you know, when people hear the phrase social impact, yeah. sometimes there's an eye roll because you're yeah. like, oh, another cause. And then, you know, you kind of made it cool and accessible. Even from a brand in your own storytelling standpoint, it's like the, the medicine comes second. Yeah. I see celebrity. I see fan reactions. Even in the blog, you're like, you talk about the dog culture here at the company. Yeah. Um, you know, but let's talk about the impact, you know, and, and some of the things you've been able to accomplish over the course of time. Sure. So let, I'll do that, but let me change that vernacular because you're right. When, when you hear social impact, sometimes there can be that eye roll. And I think that that's, um, that's not the fault of social impact. That's the fault of the, the, the person storytelling the social impact. Because at the end of the day, really what we're talking about here uh, uh, is life and, and human beings. And we each... You know, you and I very fortunately are sitting here and just the fact that we're in this dynamic and this setup right now goes to show that some things have clearly gone right for us along the way. And we have every single morning we're able to wake up and, and have food and know that we're alive and clearly uh, looking at you, you're a healthy dude. So knowing that we have our opportunity so, to... It's so right there. It's because you brought those donuts for us. <laughs> I'm going to jump into those too. Shout out um, to SK Donuts. That's right. Uh, but, but, but my point there is, is we have this opportunity to go about living our lives and put energy into the world and, and hopefully um, pursue things that, that give us the most satisfaction on a daily basis. There are a lot of human beings on this planet that don't have that luxury. And they wake up and things that you and I can't even comprehend, like the ability to get clean drinking water, uh, like the opportunity when you come home from having served in a war to then know 
what you're going to do with all those skills suddenly in a different landscape than you've been for the last two to ten years and figure out where you're going to start doing that stuff. For some kid who's sitting here, if it's in America or any other country around the world, to be given the opportunity as a child when you don't understand what you're supposed to be learning, to be given the opportunity to access the tools and skills that are going to position you to compete and provide for yourself and your family uh, at, a, at a respectable level over the course of your life, there are people out there that don't have those things. And so what social impact is, is social impact is a group of people who do have those opportunities working hard to provide those who don't with that same level of equity right. uh, in their lives. And so that's, that's cool. I mean, who, where do, where who, does can this, ha- who can hate on that? Where does the storytelling go wrong? Because I think here's, here's what happens to me personally. Yeah. Right? I go like, that hurts. And there's a lot, you know, and I hear this story about how many kids died or, you know, the tragedy. And, and I think we kind of almost beat the message over the head of mm-hmm. what's wrong. And I feel like I go to a maze and it all feels good. Yeah. You know, and it feels good to do good. But, you know, when somebody keeps telling you there's hundreds of, you know, causes and issues out there that I feel like I can't personally help solve. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I can support you guys in the brand and the mission that you've created. Oh, that's cool. And thank you for saying it that way. Um, you shouldn't have to sit there and wake up every single morning and figure out how you're going to go solve all the world's problems. Uh, that's not your job. Your job is to sit there and do whatever it is that you're focused on that day. And, you know, from what I'm learning from you uh, in this short amount of time, your job is to sit there and make sure that you're providing the best programming possible to make this podcast something that people are engaged in and interested (laughs) in. And it's to provide for your kids. And hopefully those two things are going to align, right, That, that you're working on that. So in our case, in the case of Omaze, our job is to do that work for people and to not beat over their heads why social impact is so valuable. Our job is to understand within the world of social impact what's necessary and then to go deliver experiences that you're going to enjoy because that's something that you need a little break from. You want to be able to go sit there as you're going through your day and say, all right, what's a little escape that I can think about? Maybe it's like you're a Star Wars fan and the chance for you to be in the movie sounds really cool. And that. Luke. Yeah, that's right. I am your father. I, th- I feel Wait. like you got a future there. <clears throat> I am your, no, never mind. I feel I, like, I'll, I'll practice later, but. I feel, feel like my voice is more like a, like a BB 88 or something like that. <laughs> right. And you're, and you're definitely the James Earl Jones of this duo. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but. But we provide these experiences that, that provide people with the excitement around life on a day-in, day-out basis for just 10 bucks. But then over the course of doing that, you can learn, all right, not only am I getting a fun activity and a fun break and something to think about that I enjoy or maybe something to gift to someone else and you know that they're going to like that, but you can then learn about the, the impact that you're creating and that should feel good as well. And so that's what's working for us is that we're not sitting there trying to beat social impact over people's heads. We're trying to provide them with fun and easy ways to give. And we provide them with fun and easy ways to give by providing them with the chance to win once in a lifetime experiences that they get excited about. Uh, I know this is going to be a hard question, but what's your favorite example of a project thus far? Oh, so many. Uh, so we've now done over 400 of these campaigns, uh, over 300 different charities and, and they each have some incredible quality to them. Uh, I'll give you this story. So we partnered three years ago with Robert Downey Jr. And 
he got involved with us because he wanted to help Julia's House, which is this hospice center for kids in the UK. Uh, they were looking to build a second hospice center for kids. They wanted to raise $1.75 million to build that second hospice center. What I didn't know very quickly, what I didn't know about hospice centers was these are not just for these kids who've been dealt this really hard you know, hand in life. This is for their parents who sometimes only get two to four hours of sleep a night for years or for their siblings who are sometimes four, five, six years old growing up not understanding why their sibling is going through this or what's going on. For them all to have a dignified space to be able to go to and enjoy life. And so to be able to provide that is something that's really inspirational and empowering. So he wanted to help this hospice center get built. They said it was usually going to take them about two years to raise $1.75 million. So he steps in and he's like, okay, I'm going to put together this experience. This can be the best night of your life with Robert Downey Jr. You're gonna fly in a helicopter over the Hollywood Boulevard sign, you're gonna go indoor skydiving, you're then gonna get suited for a tux or a gown, have a caviar toast with, with me, Robert Downey Jr., uh, and then ride my motorcade to the premiere of Avengers, and then hang out with me at the after party. You know, like yeah. his, his fanboy dream. And, uh, and in five weeks he, he raised over two million dollars. That was three years ago, and last month in May, they ended up opening the brand new hospice center. So they, they found a spot, built it up. When you walk in, there's an Iron Man helmet right when you walk in because he helped raise all the money. And so that's a brand new space. And so what I love about that story is it brings together all the elements. You have this celebrity influencer who cared about the cause and who really wanted to put his time and energy and effort towards doing something remarkable in the world and shine light on that thing that he cared about. You have this charity that's doing some of the most amazing work that's needed in this world and really providing dignity to, to human beings, you know, providing humanity. And then you have this world of fans who turned into donors, who came out to support, who put their money in and didn't just, you know, none of these folks complained when, when after the campaign ended, they all celebrated the person who won and they celebrated the hospice center being built and on a quarter by quarter basis, we'd send them updates of here's the space, here's the floor plan, here's what it's looking like, here's some of the kids that you're gonna help and now we're actually creating uh, a video around the actual opening of the center. And so everything comes together, it's, it sort of wraps everything in a bow for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love the fact that you guys have this whole 360 degree storytelling. It's not just yeah. like the big shiny moment, like, which is usually the launch, right? right? And, then, and then you never hear from that thing again. Yeah. You don't hear about who won, did they build the thing, did, how much money did they raise? Yeah. But you know, as I, I love this, there's this thread of just storytelling throughout, because it, it, there are the, all these points of interest that, that come up. Um, let's talk in terms of mechanics for a second. Yeah. You know, uh, um, where does Robert Downey Jr. come from? Where does the idea come from? Where does the, maybe not in that specific example, sure. but like what's the genesis of one of an Omez product and, and then how does it evolve from there? Yeah, so we start, uh, there's, no, there's no absolute one way. We usually start with either the celebrity or the charity. And when we start with the celebrity, in most cases, I'd say 99% of the time, they have a cause that they're passionate about. And that, that's critical to this working. Uh, knowing that, that this influencer who has uh, 
you know, an incredible amount of influence, um, which makes them an influencer, uh, but an incredible amount of light to shine, that, that they have something that they're willing to shine it on and create the type of content that we create that goes viral and the social posts that really spread is really important. And then the cause, knowing what the work is that they're doing and how we can articulate that, not just in terms of like, all right, we're trying to raise a million bucks to go help this cause, but in raising this money, we're gonna be able to show this quantifiable impact, uh, you know, whether or not it's a teen center or a hospital center being built or uh, how many supplies are going to be able to pro be provided. We really want to be able to quantify that to share the story of exactly what where your money is going and what's that, what that's accomplishing. So at this point in time, the celebrity or the influencer, we work with them. We're very fortunate now that through the storytelling that we do, 80% of our business is inbound. It's folks coming to us and recognizing that we're a, a, a new innovative platform that allows them to get the highest ROI for, for their efforts. And then from there, our team, again, going back to this, um, I'm, you know, Matt and I are so incredibly fortunate to be surrounded with this group of brilliant people because they create the whole thing soup to nuts. Yeah. Uh, from the design of the experience to the design of the content, uh, we literally just uh, released a video. In this case, we worked with Ben Stiller, but we released what is essentially a sequel to Dodgeball, and and you know Ben Stiller is an incredible talent, and his team, uh, his team more so than many of our other cases, really really produce a lot of that. But we work together to produce content that spreads and launches on the Today Show or the Good Morning America Show, or or spreads virally on on Facebook and beyond. And then our marketing just to put that one in perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because this, when I look at the quality and the level of work that you guys do. When I looked at that on the website, I was like, wait, is, there, is this a new, like I really thought it was a new dodgeball and you had a chance to be in, the, not just like you create an experience that was reminiscent of right. it. So, you know, and I even know in some cases, a lot of celebrities don't like to look back, right? Like they don't like, they want to go, right. yeah, yeah, it was Gilligan. I don't want to do the Gilligan thing. Again. Right. I don't know why I thought of Gilligan. It's Gilligan's great. Random. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, there is that level of like, hey, we are passionate about this. We're going to create the best experience possible even if it's the content and then let alone when you get in the room and get to throw wrenches at, at <laughs> yeah and, and and that that by the way that that chance for you and a friend to play dodgeball against ben and the ben and the team is taking place we're not announcing everything yet but it's taking place like square in new york city like on a very public level it's gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable um but but you know what what makes that work and what pulls all those things together is that when you talk about, you know, most people don't usually want to look back. Throughout everything that we do, uh, we have this saying here that, that we love to share, which is like the shortest distance between two people is laughter. And, and so we try and make everything fun and empowering. When we're talking about the causes, you know, we're in a, we're in a place in charity these days and nonprofits where it's not flies on the face. It's empowerment. It's inspiration is how can you go and change the life of a person not through guilt but through excitement and inspiration and in the comedy in the in the content that we create you know how we create something that's really comedic that makes people laugh cuz you're going through your day and the last thing that you need while you're sitting there trying to just get the juice and the and the and the mojo to accomplish all you're doing with this podcast is like to see a video that just knocks you off and right. it doesn't feel right but if you sit there <laughs> Brilliant, yeah, right, right. Brilliant song, and I love dogs, but that's not where we are anymore, right? And so, like, if we can show you something that you sit there and you smile and you get a little bit more juice going, like, we've done our job, and you can go do a better job at what you're up to. And so that's that's how we that's how we get these celebs to really do it, is they love coming on board and really shining. 
You mentioned your partner a lot. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, the 68, I'll call them. Yeah. Um, what is your purpose as a leader? As a leader? So, so first I'll say our purpose as a company. Uh, so for Omaze, our purpose as a company is we serve world changers. Um, that's our higher purpose. And, and our mission to do that is to, to build a community that leverages the power of storytelling and technology to transform lives. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing. For me, as a, as a leader, I mean, man, I'll say it, as a person, my purpose is that I want to empower as many people as possible to be the best expression of themselves. Um, that's what I believe my own higher purpose is. And, uh, and I'm, I'm constantly humbled uh, to, to try and find new ways of doing that in every aspect of my life here at Omaze, at home with my, with my wife, Lisa, through our friends, our family, through anything that's happening, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, in actuality, how does that take place, right? Like, you know, are you doing one-on-ones with the team here and like really trying to understand who they are as individuals and where they want to go? Like, what, what's, what, how does that actually manifest on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, well, it, it varies. Um, it could be anything from, you know, I had the opportunity recently to, to go to the Skull World Forum. And while, while there, you're, you're surrounded by some pretty incredible people that are doing some amazing work out there, changing the world as well. And so just listening to what they're saying and, and taking back lessons from that and sharing them internally with the team to share some motivation. Um, you know, there's a guy, Bill Drayton, who's, uh, who's the founder of Ashoka and, uh, and sort of known as the father of social entrepreneurship. And he was saying this thing, uh, I'm gonna modify it a little bit, but he was saying I'm gonna flip, <laughs> flip it, flip it on, which is uh, uh, if you want to survive, you have to be uh, a change maker, uh, and and then going through what that actually means. And most people think about leaders as the change makers, and his whole his whole theory is no, everyone has to be a change maker at every single level of any organization. You have to not just be sitting there thinking about the role that you're in and the specific function of what you're doing, you have to be looking down the lane at what's changing in the world and how can I adopt right. and adapt all of these different inputs to really take this organization as far as I can possibly take it. And, and so it's those types of lessons that we try and bring back here. And that's sometimes in the form of thought leaders, that's sometimes in the form of, of inspires. The other day we had a guy performing here, um, his name's Kevin, uh, Kevin's a buddy of mine, and I gotta make sure I still say his name right. But Kevin Olasula, uh, who's one of the members of I Pen- won't even try it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just know him as Ko. Uh, Ko is a member of Pentatonix, nice. and uh, and he does some. What he did that's brilliant was he brought together beatboxing and classical music on a cello, and he mixed those two things. And when he started doing that, people were saying like that you can't do that man like you're like classical musicians were like don't please don't ruin the music with beatboxing and beatboxers were probably like what's this cello doing in this mix and he's like no this just feels right to me and so he sat there and he mixed those two things and as a result of that he's introducing classical music to this whole wave of people who otherwise never would have seen it and he's showing classical musicians how they can actually reach a larger audience by just thinking a little bit differently. So we brought him in and he sat there and he played a set for our entire team and to look around the team and just to see, you know, it's not necessarily the words that people have to say, it's the stature that they carry. And to see people sit there and and sit there with open hearts 
and a smile on their face and shoulders relaxed in the middle of a, you know, maybe otherwise stressful day. Like that's the type of thing we try and bring into this office. Right. And that's, and that's what Matt and I are aspiring to do as leaders every day. And that's, I mean, that's also how evolution happens, right? You kind of, in a lot of cases, it is connecting dots that don't necessarily connect. And suddenly you've created a new movement and you get permission, you know, give other people permission to like connect dots that don't belong together and think of how they would, how they would work. Um, how are you guys looking to evolve as Omaze? Like what's, what's next? You know? Sure. Uh, growth, growth. We, you know, we're, we've only just scratched the surface of what's possible in terms of innovating within the philanthropic sector. Um, how's that for like a big bunch oh, of wordies? Innovating within yeah. the philanthropic, <laughs> philanthropic sector. sector. I couldn't always say that when we first started this business. Uh, so we are, we're, we're, radically increasing the number of experiences that we're putting on. Uh, we've made this transition over time where, you know, when you start a business, anytime you're starting a business, there's a ton of sneaker wear at the front end, right? You're doing everything and, and that's even taking out the trash. Uh, and so we, we looked probably more like an agency when we first started that we've always known we were going to be a platform transitioning into an open marketplace. And so we are now really making those leaps and bounds from going from an agency that's doing a tremendous amount of high-touch work to we're, we're in this stage right now where we're in that platform to marketplace transition where we've templatized our campaigns but done so in a way that each and every celebrity that comes on board can have something that feels fresh and new year after year after year, that it never gets dull, that we give them this platform that they can leverage their voice and the things that they're doing in an exciting way. And then in addition to that, we're now beginning to bring on brands who we're partnering with so that they can actually actualize a lot of their higher purpose in, the, in this philanthropic sector and do so in partnership with these different celebrities around these really super cool experiences. And then foundations who also have the same type of work that they're trying to accomplish. We're trying to give them avenues to amplify both their messaging and their impact. Uh, and then in addition to that, we're, we're taking these experiences more global and we're rolling out additional lines of products that are gonna be able to continue serving all the different people that we're working with. So not much. <laughs> yeah, not much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, we, and we're, as a team yesterday, we all played dodgeball. So, you know. so um, uh, my show is called Innovation Crush. Um, I'm curious as to what you see out in the world right now that you are personally crushing on. It might have something to do with your day-to-day -day stuff. It might be something you saw on TV a couple of nights ago. Like, oh, what's, what's, yeah. What am I crushing on right now? Uh, I'll, just, I'll go with the very first thing that comes to my mind um, is, is just some musicians right now that I'm crushing on. Uh, there's a guy named, and I don't know if this is, if this is dated or otherwise, uh, but I've been listening to the song all week this week uh, by Dan Auerbach, who's a member of the Black Keys, mm. and he has a song called Going Home. And it's just such this, uh, such a beautiful song. And he says this thing in it, pull it up, make sure that I, that I actually get this right. You're so gonna sing it for us, I'm right? not gonna, no, yeah, exactly. I'm karaoke app. Exactly. I'm not going to sing, but he said this thing, he says, uh, you know, forget about the things you want, be thankful for what all you got. Um, and he says it like that, I'm just going to, you can decide if you want to cut this out or not. No, no, I'm not going to cut it out, I'll touch you. So here it goes. So, 
That's I'm crushing crazy. on that right now. And yeah. the reason is uh, when I listen to that, it amid everything that we were just talking about, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're building this out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm looking for things that slow me down. Uh, my wife, who I've mentioned already, my wife Lisa is my best friend and inspires me daily. And, uh, and she's, had this, uh, she's had this health issue for the last couple of years that she's really starting to turn a corner on right now and get stronger. But she, she finally on her birthday the other day posted about it. And one of the things that she said while she was posting and she was sharing her experience, but trying to share it in a way that would ideally connect with people and, and add energy to their worlds, you know, not, not take away. But she said this thing and I, I hadn't, until she put the post up, I hadn't even seen the, seen the, seen the sentence, but she said, uh, she talked about how fast everybody's going in life. And she said, it's important, and I'm gonna paraphrase here, but she said, it's important with as fast as everything is going, as, as people are moving and everything's happening in our lives to slow down, not because we don't appreciate how fast life is passing us by, but because we do. And, and that is, is funny to say, you know, from my wife, but it's also not because she inspires me daily. But that idea of with as much stuff, especially as you probably see in your podcast with the innovators that you work with and the incredible things that they're doing in this world and how fast we've been trained to move and how much we're supposed to think that we just have to pile it all on and get seven days a week, seven days of work done in, in, uh, in one. I'm really looking for all the different ways that I can actually just take a pause and take a moment and be present and slow down because one, that helps me, I think, work more effectively, appreciate what's going on in my life. But I think it also is now I'm finding giving me better energy to give out to other people than just adding more frenetic energy to the mix. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm crushing on. And the last, last thing I'll say on that, there's this guy, he started a restaurant uh, in Austin called uh, Wu Chow's. And a uh, real interesting dude, it's the first far, I don't know about first, but it's a farm to table Chinese restaurant in Austin. And when I was meeting him the other day with, through this investor named Adam Zeppelin, who's another really interesting guy, um, he's got this watch and the face of the watch doesn't tell you the time, it just says now. And, and <laughs> nice. I thought it was so cool to sit there and look at this thing and it's like, rather than to sit there and try and think about where we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be doing or how fast or where we're late or whatever, that you look down at your watch and you just know like, it's now, that's where I am yeah. right now. And so like, that's, that's the type of stuff that I'm crushing on. No, that's, I, I, that's rings such a bell with me. Like I told you, I was in Michigan yesterday Yeah. and uh, my mom's sister passed. Um, oh, she, sorry to hear no, that. Thank you. But, uh, but it was interesting because I got to, I was only here for 24 hours. Um, literally just sat and talked to everybody. Like I was up till three o'clock in the morning and was yeah. on a plane at, you know, 11. Yeah. But it was, it was that same, sometimes it's something that's harsh that, you know, forces you to slow right. down versus just kind of giving yourself that reminder on your wrist or just in, on a daily basis of, 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 of some way. Right. I, I completely agree with that. And you feel, you feel, obviously it's tough with the loss, but I'm sure there's some part of you and I'd ask that, feels more whole now having taken that time to talk to your oh, family. It was, it was amazing. I, you know, it, for, that experience far outweighed the loss. And I use right. the word loss loosely, right? It's a celebration, right. uh, if anything. Yeah. Um, last but not least, um, complete this phrase for me. Okay. Innovation to me is? Innovation to me, uh, innovation to me 
Let me just take a second here. I'm, take a second. Yeah. One one thousand. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, innovation to me is sitting in a moment, appreciating exactly where you are and what your experience is at that moment and recognizing that as much as you can appreciate that moment, you would also like to see a better moment down the road. And innovation is the series of steps, thoughts, activities, people that you engage with to then move from that current experience that you're sitting in to that idealized experience down the road. That's great. It's a, a, a school of thought around that. The very concept is, you know, your innovation and your idea is only as good as it is executed. Yeah. And that means surrounding yourself with the right team, the right read, the right knowledge, the right information. Right. We all get excited about the, oh my God, the OMG moment. Right. And then, then the work starts. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what? Why yeah. is this working? The, you know, the storage space to, to, to now. Um, so where can people find you? Like, where, uh, thank you for showing me your Instagram. Now I know where to stalk you. On. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be, you'll be my second follower. <laughs> you and my wife. I mean, good company. Yeah. Seriously. Great company. Great. The best. <laughs> no, but where can people find like more about you or sure. Omaze or the so, mission? So first and foremost, Omaze, uh, real simple. So Omaze is amaze with an O. So it's when something is more than amazing with this friend, she'd say when something was bigger than amazing, she'd say it's amazing. So it's, you know, just the links, Omaze, Omaze. Does she own some of the IP? Uh, she owns the IP of our hearts. Oh, there you go. So, uh, so it's, um, it's omaze.com is the website. Uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook, on social, on Instagram, on Snapchat. Um, and, uh, and then me personally, uh, you can find me here at Omaze or, uh, or ideally uh, out learning from someone else who's out there in the world. So if, uh, if, you're, if you're trying to find the biggest, most inspiring people, then you're probably going to see me somewhere in the back row taking notes and, uh, and trying to soak up as much as I possibly can. Great. I want to... Uh I want you to join me because I'm going to walk around your office oh, cool. with, with some of these these guys. Yeah, and uh, and take unnecessary pictures of stuff. Love it. So, <laughs> so you guys, you can find Ryan at Worlds this summer, July 31st through August 1st, right here in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us. Thank this has been Chris. awesome. Thank you.